to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Another example is I actually worked on a torpedo and Tomahawk missile inventory database. And that one we were looking at what missiles are on what submarines and what torpedoes are on what submarines. everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from Donnie Shimamoto, our guest for this week. As I mentioned when we first started the interview, Donnie was recommended to us by one of the former guests on our show from Houston. At the time of this recording, he's been spending about half his time in Houston and about half his time in Hawaii. You'll have to listen to the interview itself to get a full picture of Donnie's business, but obviously he has a lot going on. Outside of the referral though, I invited Donnie on the show because his career is really just as much about technology and achieving results through technology as it is about accounting. If you've ever thought about using your start in accounting to move into the technology space, or maybe consider doing more technology consulting work, this episode is gonna be perfect for you. Donnie shares the story of how he got into that space, as well as giving us an overview of his consulting firm now, Enterprise Technologies. If you find that this episode has given you insight into your own dreams, please make sure to subscribe to our show via iTunes or directly on the website at whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Donnie Shimamoto with Enterprise Technologies. Well, hello, Donnie. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate you being willing to share your career journey with our audience. No, thank you, Mark. I always enjoy sharing my stories uh, with everyone, so I'm glad to be on, on here. Perfect. Perfect. Well, for the audience... We have Donnie Shimamoto on the show today, and how we got in touch is sort of an interesting story. Sheila Enriquez from Briggs Aselka in Houston was one of our former guests, and she suggested that we interview Donnie, and then as luck would have it, I ended up being in one of his talks at a recent accounting conference, and so I got a preview of his story and and his speaking style and, and sort of his background, if you will. Donnie is an accountant, a CPA actually. But his career has been very technology and business intelligence focused, which is why I really wanted to see if he'd be willing to come on the show and and share his insights with us and and sort of his journey, if you will. Donnie, I definitely want to get into your career and life now, of course, but let's start at the beginning so the audience gets a better idea of, of where you came from and how you got to where you are today. What initially caused you to even think about accounting as a possible career in the first place? Well, when I was in high school, my aunt had actually encouraged me to take the accounting course. And so I think I was a sophomore and I took the the high school accounting course and it just came really naturally to me. 
So that kind of uh, really was the genesis of all of it. And from there, we went on. We actually had a project where we started our school bookstore. And I was, of course, the accountant for the bookstore, so <laughs> got to take a lot of what we had learned in the book. And then we actually did it by generating purchase orders, to send to vendors, and receiving merchandise, and running running the bookstore. So we actually had a cash register, and we would cash out and record the receipts. And uh, so I got to do some hands-on accounting uh, right after that. Interesting. So was your aunt an accountant, or, or she just had seen that this might be a good career? I mean, did she have any connection to the profession? She She's not an accountant, but she used to work at a bank, and she's, she's actually in uh, the IT field. And uh, that's actually the other side of... Uh, you mentioned my technology side earlier, and my technology side also started in high school. Oh. So the accounting I took in my sophomore year, my junior year, I, I took a data processing class and started to get... Uh, looking at the actual business applications of technology. You know, but as I said that, I, I should also say, like, I think I first started programming when I was probably, gosh, I, I want to say it's maybe in the sixth or seventh grade. It might have been actually earlier than that. That same aunt had actually encouraged my dad to buy what back then was the Commodore 64, and you could <laughs> do some basic programming on it, and she had bought some books and stuff. So it's both are kind of in my blood from a long time ago. <laughs> All right. For those that don't know, actually, at the time, the Commodore 64 was fairly cutting-edge technology, at least at least for a middle school student, you know? <laughs> yeah. I have one. I have one myself. <laughs> I played more I just games went to the uh, Computer History Museum in San Jose last month, and, and they had it on there, and I went, oh, my gosh, that makes me feel really old now, seeing <laughs> stuff that I used to do in a, in a museum. <laughs> that cracked me up. Wow. Well, I saw you had a double major in accounting and MIS. Uh, so apparently mixing the two was sort of an early plan of yours. Is that correct? Yeah. So my senior year, um, or actually the summer before my senior year, I did a vocational technical, sort of like an internship at one of the local companies in Hawaii. and. The controller there was actually a double major accounting MIS. And so he had actually talked to me and he was saying, so, you know, what are you interested in doing? What are you going to do in college? And I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to major in accounting because I really like accounting and um, I'm going to do this minor in, in computer science because, uh, you know, I, I have all this background in the programming side and I think they'd be a good mix together. And he told me, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. What you need to do is you need to do the double major and do the accounting in MIS. And he explained to me how you know, MIS is really more the business side of things. And so if you pair the two together, that you really get a more powerful outcome. And so following his advice, I started going down that path. I was actually still going to do the double major plus the minor in computer science, but I ended up dropping the computer science side because I found it to be too technical in the sense that it didn't seem like it was as valuable to me as the MIS, where the MIS was more had a lot more application and it, it was really more about how do we actually use the technology. And that's really the basis of all my career in consulting today is how do we best use technology uh, to support business objectives. Interesting. So what was your first 
job, not internship, but job out of college with this double major in accounting and MIS? Did it include both sides or, or did you go one way or the other initially? My first job after college is with Cooper's and Librand, uh, or was with Cooper's and Librand, and it was a double. It was, I was what they called at that time a dual track. So we did both financial audit and IT audit. We were primarily part of the IT audit group, but because we had the, CP, the accounting background during busy season, we would help do the financial audit side. So that was actually my first, per se, true work in the accounting field. Prior to that, I had done, during college, I had worked doing something that was some database programming. And then I also did an internship that was IT support, so basically help desk and, and some application development, also with Coopers and Librand in their IT department before I went full-time in audit. Interesting. To what extent do you feel that double major with that M- the MIS portion adequately prepared you for that first job? In retrospect, you know, with Coopers and Librand, do you feel like, yeah, you were prepared or it's a whole lot different in the real world? <laughs> I felt like I was prepared enough that today's world, I find it interesting because I think a lot of employers want students to come out and immediately hit the ground running. And I don't know if any of them think back to when we first came out of school and it was like, we didn't know how to do everything that needed to be done. And luckily, working with essentially a big four firm, immediately we got sent out to, it was, for us, it was actually a week and a half because we did, because it was both the, the audit and the IT. So the audit by itself was, I think, a week of training. And then we got an additional, I think it was two days for the IT audit side, which is and primarily controls focus. So we went through essentially a week and a half of training to get us ready to actually apply the the base that we got, you know, in, in the, from the degree. But the, the degree work to me was all the base knowledge that we needed to understand what is accounting, what is it supposed to look like, what does auditing look like. And then the accounting information systems course, which was all about controls and the different cycles and how they all work together, that was the key course. Till today, I still have that textbook sitting on my bookshelf and I'll go back and look at it when when I really need to see, like, okay, what are the controls are supposed to look like in this area? Wow. Okay. I, I think I was more of a true accountant. I sold my textbooks back pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you at Cooper's and Librand? And I guess, you know, were you in that same field the entire time? You know, what was, what was that part of your career like? I actually spent um, about two years, maybe more like a year and a half, in the IT audit group. Oh, actually, I should say doing both. So I got to the point where I actually issued financials. Of course, I didn't sign because I wasn't a partner, but I got to the point where I actually issued financials once all the way through. And then I got pulled over onto the consulting side. So there was a project that was going on in Pearl Harbor, and I'm originally from Hawaii, born and raised in Hawaii. And they, I got pulled into this project that was a global knowledge management project. And the first year we were on that project uh, was just in Pearl Harbor. The second year we expanded out and we actually had people out on the West Coast in San Diego. And then we started having people actually out on ships as well. So we had people out on aircraft carriers and a couple other ships. And so by the third year, 
I was the technical manager for that project, overseeing all the work that was being done, as well as coordinating work among the ships uh, that were out at the Persian Gulf, and this was during the Persian Gulf War. So they were doing stuff out in the Persian Gulf, and then we had teams in San Diego and up in Washington State at the bases there, and then our team was in Hawaii kind of coordinating everything. So it was it was an interesting shift to go from auditing into this global setting of doing different types of consulting work. This is too interesting to pass up. So <laughs> I'm trying to understand, so were you guys in the office doing some analysis, or are you out there with the Navy or the Air Force on some of the battleships? <laughs> I'm trying to clarify what you were doing exactly, because that's you're the first accountant that's brought up Pearl Harbor. So, <laughs> so it's a little of all of the above. We were there. I did this knowledge management project, and it was actually the first global knowledge management project uh, in the world. And we were doing a mix of different things. So primarily what we were doing was a lot of business process engineering or business process improvement where we're looking at what are they doing. This is all primarily, I would call it kind of administrative back office type of things. So we weren't like doing like intelligence and the secrets you know, all the really secret type of stuff. But we were there looking at different things that they were doing, helping them to improve their overall ability from the administrative capability, again, to be ready to do war fighting. So, like, some examples of stuff that I worked on, um, I helped in the personnel department, kind of like the HR department. I was doing a bunch in there around reporting as it related to positions that were congressionally funded compared to how they were actually filled. And so if I put my CPA hat on, what we're really doing is business reporting on non-financial metrics and helping to correlate a lot of non-financial data and ensuring that that data had a bunch of reliability behind it because it was being used to provide reports to the admiral around whether or not all the personnel that could be employed in the U.S. Navy and the Pacific Fleet were employed. Another example is I actually worked on a torpedo and Tomahawk missile inventory database. And that one we were looking at what missiles are on what submarines and what torpedoes are on what submarines and what was their maintenance history, what do they do for maintenance again, what's being decommissioned, so, again, it's the accounting side is the inventory piece, but there was a lot of non-financial data like maintenance cycles, like um, production, like serial numbers. And so it was really inventory tracking. So it's, it's really purposely, of course, I'm telling the story this way, but it's that account, that base in accounting that you we then took and we applied in different areas. Wow. Torpedo and Tomahawk missile inventory. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, this has got, you've, you've mentioned Commodore 64 and torpedo and tomahawk missile inventory all in the same podcast. I, this, this is going to be one of my favorites. I, I can already tell this is, this is good. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing that that project, the thing that I'll remember from that project is actually getting to go and be on, let's see, I think it was the Stennis um, aircraft carrier in the Gulf of San Diego while it was doing war games. So we boarded from on well, while it was in the harbor at San Diego. We got to ride it out into the bay, and they were you know, basically practicing some war fighting. 
And I was with the team that we had that was on that carrier. We were in basically an officer's quarters. There was, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. There's six of us all in this one kind of room. And we were there on the sea and they were doing stuff and we were you know, going through our different steps. And I remember one of the days I walked out all of a sudden and I was like, oh my gosh, I have not, this is the first time I'm seeing the sun in like three days. You know, I think we take it for granted that we, every day you walk out, you see the sun. And it just happens that we were in the bowels of this huge aircraft carrier and I had not seen the sun for three days. And the other thing I'll always remember from that was to leave the ship, they were still in the middle of their exercises. And so to leave the ship, I actually, we actually had to leave by catapult. And so the way you see the aircraft, the jets, where they're just being basically shot off of the ship, we got uh-huh. to experience that, that we were in a passenger plane. And the, the G-forces against your face are just kind of amazing. So we got off that and got on land. And, and then just like they tell you, like, you've got sea legs. And so that those first couple steps on land, you're, like, wobbling. And it, I think it was like an hour or two hours before we were actually walking normally, but that experience I'll never forget. And I, I don't know any way that you could actually do that as a pure civilian. I'm always thankful for that experience and glad to have not had to be in the military to actually get that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in all seriousness, I bet that did give you a, a real appreciation for the military and the job they're doing because you're, you're out there with them at this time and yeah, you got some rare insight. We accountants don't generally get it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to make sure we hit the, the right points of your career. So why don't you lead us through the high points, you know, from Cooper's Librand to doing what you're doing now? Because I don't want to focus on the wrong thing and, you know, cause us to miss a juicy part of the story. So where'd you go after Cooper's Librand and let's hit the high points. Sure. From from Cooper's and Libran, I by the time I left, I think it was after the second year in Cooper's and Libran, it was when the merger actually occurred. And so it was PricewaterhouseCoopers. So when I left, it was PricewaterhouseCoopers. And uh, they had wanted me to move to Virginia because that's where the sense consulting and group was based out of to move up. So I ended up saying, no, I'd, I'd rather stay in Hawaii because I knew that's where my, my heart and home was. And I ended up moving actually onto the IT side with one of the largest, not one, they were, they are the largest until today, they might still be with the largest IT consulting firm uh, in the state. And so kind of did a flip over onto the project management side there working with them. That ended up not being as good of a fit uh, for me. The, and, and I'll tell you that that was one of the things where I started to, I think, appreciate my CPA brethren and the way that we do things. Because on the IT side, while there is structure, I don't think IT people are as structured as we are in the way that we work. And so I realized that the whole discipline and structure of our work plans and the way we approach audits you know, and tax returns and even bookkeeping and accounting, that is a big value that we bring into the market. So after kind of spending a little bit of time with them, I didn't even complete a year, decided, you know, this really wasn't working for me and, and wanted to go out on my own. And luckily, one of my clients, uh, 7-Eleven Hawaii, who I had started off actually auditing them as part of Coopers and Libran, I approached them and I said, hey, you know, I've been doing a little bit of IT stuff here and there for you. I'm thinking of going on my own. Would you continue to do work with me if I went on my own? And they said, 
Oh, that's so funny. We were just about to approach you because we've been working with a bunch of different IT vendors and we wanted to consolidate it all in one place. And so we were going to ask you if you'd be interested in working with us. And I went, perfect. (laughs) And uh, basically gave me enough that I said, hey, I'm going to start my own firm. And and that's what I did. And that was in uh, December of 2001. I went out on my own and have uh, now been uh, working on my own for 17 years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. Okay. Since 2001. I'm curious, was the focus of the firm at that time the same as it is now, or or how has that changed over the years? So that time, I really wanted to get back to the type of consulting I was doing uh, when I was with PwC. So the the move into the the IT consulting was more website-focused, a lot of project management over technical projects. And so with the move back, I wanted to get back into more of the, the real accounting and IT mix. And so initially, we did a lot of application development where I built a system that actually still is operating today, a couple of systems, one that helped them do some financial analysis around the profitability of the stores, and then a second system that actually takes a lot of the orders. So each of the stores orders or submits what I think of as purchase requisitions from each individual store, and we take and aggregate all of the individual purchase requisitions and create these larger purchase orders that we then send out to the different vendors uh, for 7-Eleven Hawaii. And that system still operates today where we uh, work with, again, it's like inventory, where we're tracking perpetual inventory on a bunch of things. We track bad merchandise, we track lots of other features that go back into store profitability. So we started off kind of back in that blend, a lot of application development, though, there was a lot of programming and database work. Over the course of time, I found that, you know, there's a lot of people that can do that work, but there are less people that actually understand processes. And so I started coming back towards what I think of as the audit base, which is the Understanding of the different processes, the controls, not necessarily financial controls, but different types of internal controls that are around processes. And we started moving into different areas like software selection, some larger business process redesign, usually supported by automation or bringing technology in. And then today, my work is really focused around innovation strategy. So we're looking at the new technologies that are coming out, how do they play into an existing organization, how do they support the business processes, whether they're financial or non-financial processes, and then how does that support perhaps information distribution and and business reporting, so not just financial reporting, but all the different other types of information that might be needed to support decision-making. We're really kind of helping both look at the technologies, figure out which vendors you need to apply. Once you select the vendor, how do you, how does that change your business processes? How do we ensure their internal controls around those business processes so that they're operating? And how is the information coming out of those business processes? Are they reliable? And can I use them to support decision making? So kind of been a whole wide gamut of evolution to where I am now. How much of this consulting are you doing yourself? Or, or do you have a team? Because I, I can see it going both ways. I have a team of, I think we're at 12 people now. I can, I can never remember. So there's a team of 12. At the largest, my firm was at 19. That was back in, I think, the early 2000s. Probably about 2005, we had about 19. But 12 seems to be the nice number for us for a while now. 
And we have people in a, in a bunch of different disciplines. So we have a couple of TPAs because, it's, as I kind of described, there's a lot of implications to what we do to audit, from auditing and the, and the bookkeeping side. I have a team of core IT people because as we're starting to bring the technologies in, especially in the smaller businesses, uh, we find that uh, you need to understand more of the business application side of things rather than the infrastructure side of things. So we have our own IT team that kind of helps get through things. And then we actually have a large part of my work now is also in teaching. You mentioned kind of attending one of my sessions. And oh. so I actually have a, a couple of people that support me on that education side. Oh, interesting. So you're not the only one that does presentations then on your team. <laughs> uh, actually, I have one other one, uh, okay. but the, what they do is they basically support our operations on that. So a lot of the contracting, we, for example, once we present, we put an archive of all of the presentations, what handouts that we provide and, and that type of stuff. So it's more administrative support, but yeah, there's, there's one other that will do uh, presentations on my team. Okay. Well, that's that's wonderful. I, I know that's a difficult thing to to delegate sometimes. So that's I, I commend you for being able to do that. For for someone that you know might be very early in their career, or maybe even still in college, you know, as, as an accounting major, you know, to help them understand, you know, what a, a typical day, week, or, or month is like for you, you know, in case they're thinking, wow, this sounds cool. You know, describe that. What is a typical week or, or month like for you now at this point in your business? Without telling us your clients, of course, but <laughs> is there for a typical me, week or month? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to sound as attractive. For me now, my job, I, I think of my job as removing obstacles and understanding what people are trying to do. So a lot of my work right now is spent probably in three different areas. One is going to be in meetings, and that's going to sound like, oh, my gosh, you spent all the time sitting around. But usually I'm facilitating meetings. So it's where we're doing what we call discovery, where we're trying to understand a process or we're trying to understand the problems that are occurring. And so usually we're sitting with one, maybe two or three people, and we're really talking through what's going on, how is it happening, let's map out the process, let's understand what systems are playing in different places. A lot of it is that. I'm normally facilitating that. I now have staff that will take the information from that meeting and document it. So the second thing that I spend a lot of time doing is just reviewing documents, sometimes reviewing emails where people are describing things and keeping things moving along by either saying, okay, yep, that's good, keep going in that direction, or here's where we can change this. So email is another really big part of my uh, work. And I mentioned that kind of removing obstacles, so it's helping think through like, okay, here's the challenge that's occurring. This is the way we need to either move around it or succumb the challenge. And then the last piece of my work is really around the education and teaching. And so I I actually spend right now over probably about 80% of my time, maybe 75% of my time is on the road. So I mentioned I'm born and raised in Hawaii. My firm is founded in Hawaii. But for the last, see, probably two years now, at least within the last 10, I've probably spent only about a week every month in Hawaii. And then I spend two weeks every month in Houston working with a couple of clients here. And the last week out of every month is really wherever um, we have other clients or I have a speaking engagement. So it's, I've been in, I think it's 19 or 20, actually 20 now. I've been in 20 of the 50 states. 
usually speaking or attending some type of meeting. And uh, this year, I actually have two international engagements, one in the Dominican Republic and one in Brazil, uh, asking me to come and speak and help talk about uh, careers in accounting and what we do in our specialties. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you went deeper in that because I was curious. Is is the education and teaching obviously? It, it sounds like it's it's not you know at a university. Are is it primarily for existing customers or is it primarily volunteer that you're doing or is it primarily like what I saw you at TSCPA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it started off in in a volunteer capacity where I got involved with the AICPA and was asked to um, was actually asked to serve on a conference committee. And part of my feedback was, you know, hey, I, I wouldn't attend this IT conference that you're holding. And they were like, why? And I said, well, the, the material is not advanced enough. It's pretty basic. And um, so people and people like me that are kind of the dual, um, we, we wouldn't attend. And so they said, well, this conference is supposed to be for people like you. So go on this conference committee. And it happened that they needed a business intelligence speaker the next end. So I, that's where I started uh, speaking at the national level. Um, that was 10 years ago now. From there, I continued speaking at other AICPA conferences. I've gotten now invited to speak at state society conferences as well. And different vendors also invite me to speak at their conferences. And the AICPA uh, makes us do it all for free, but it's, it's actually a tough to get onto there, and once you get onto the AICPA speaking circuit, people know that you are a quality speaker, and so the majority of the rest of my speaking is all uh, paid engagements, whether for state societies, whether it's for clients, or whether it's for vendors. Well, congratulations. It's hard to move to the paid speaking circuit, so <laughs> you're doing a lot of people a lot of good to get there. That's wonderful. Well, well, tell us. Uh, I guess you know, we haven't even talked about the the name of your business, or if someone you know wanted to, to look you guys up and find out more about what you guys do, where would we find you online? Our website is enterprise.us, and enterprise is I N T R A P R I S E, and it's a mix between the word intra, which is the kind of like intranet meaning internal, and then enterprise which is really the, the workings of a business. And so it's the enterprise, meaning it's the internal workings of a business. Because we realize that our, our expertise is not in the marketing. It's not in the, you know, working with customers. It's really about once you've gotten to that point where you've made contact with a customer or the prospect or a customer, and then you're delivering or fulfilling the needs of that customer, that's really where our, our expertise is. So enterprise is actually the start of our name. And our full name is Enterprise Technologies, and it's tech as in technology, and then it's Knowledges, K-N-O-W, so knowledge, because we really talk about ourselves being that intersection between technology and knowledge to then operate within the internal operations of an organization. And so we're bringing technology and know-how together to this is how you use technology to support business operations. Beautiful. Yeah, I want to make sure I don't skip the other side of this. I mean, just from a lifestyle perspective, what what do you like about where you are at this point, you know, in your in your career and and life? What do you enjoy about it? <laughs> it's like everything. You mentioned the lifestyle. That reminds me, I, I used to have this tagline for myself that was, you know, CPA. It's not just a career; it's a lifestyle. 
And people often ask, like, what does that mean? <laughs> and when you, when you, I, it was the first time I heard it was they said, you know, CPAs, is, uh, being a CPA is a lifestyle, it's, it's a lifestyle job because when you're independent, you get to do what you want to do when you do it, but you have your busy seasons, whether it's audit or tax. And when it's outside of busy season, though, you can, you know, you could cruise if you wanted to take summers, go light. I know a lot of tax people do this where, I go, well, you know, we're through busy season. We're going to go light on summer. So maybe work, you know, four days instead of five days a week. Cause during busy season, we're working six or seven days a week, but you really get to balance it out. And I, and I look at that and I say, yeah, that's been a great thing of being able to be in control of what I do when I do it. But the, on the whole lifestyle thing early on. So probably when I first started to get the national level, there was a couple people that started referring to me as the rock star in the CPA world. And, I thought, oh, you know, it's it's a nice kind of thing. They're just saying that I'm I'm really good. And I realized later on somebody goes, No, you know, your lifestyle is kind of a rock star. I was laughing like, <laughs> What are you talking about? But if I were to tell you, you know, I, I just told you about my travel. I'm on the on the road quite a bit. But if I were to say it in this terms of, well, I flew to this one place during our conference busy season. There are times when I can be in a city as much as maybe like three cities within a week. So it's, on Sunday, I flew out. I went to this place. On the, on the next day, I spoke at this conference. I was on stage. I had this headset on, gave this presentation, got the applause, went out afterwards, networked, basically like talking to the fans, right? Networked and kind of got to talk to people, see things. Then the next day, I flew out, went to this other conference had to speak there, did some networking, maybe went to a reception, you know, so we're having drinks with people. Next day, gave another speech or taught something and then flew out again. And then I went to go work in a client in another state and we had some meetings and we did stuff. And, you know, when you think about it that way, when the, when the conferences start going up, they go, oh, that is kind of like a, um, you know, like a concert. You're going to different places and just giving different performances. And talking to people, I'm like, oh, I guess I can see the rock star analogy. <laughs> Is there a Shimamoto private jet somewhere that's taking you at all? <laughs> I wish. No, I'm having to fly all the the regular airlines with everybody else. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> but I did have a couple sort of perspective questions for you. As accountants, I mean, what do you feel? we need to be better prepared for from a technology perspective. Any thoughts on that? When you look at what's happening in the technology world, a lot of people are focusing on the technology itself. And we can go and look and say, hey, here's something new, and we got to figure out how this new thing impacts everything. I found that it's way more successful, and this is the way that I approach things, and I'm dealing with the new innovations coming out, I take it instead I look at what is this very similar to and or what does it do and how is it similar to what we've done before? And when you take that type of an approach to it, it makes the, tech, the new technologies a lot more easier to work with. So, for example, when cloud computing came out, I looked at that and went, you know, this is really a evolution of the mainframe because the mainframe was a system where it was shared computing. There was this one huge computer 
that everyone had these little terminals that you could get into. Now it was those green screen terminals and you could just type you know, a little bit in there instead of the web browsers. But it's basically an evolution of the, of mainframe. And so when we went and we looked at how we audit cloud computing, you actually followed a little bit more of the mainframe thinking. And today when we're looking at automation, it's a lot of it is about what is it helping to replace that was done manually before. So artificial intelligence, big hot topic right now, but when I look at it, it's basically automation combined with a little bit of learning. And so I need to understand some data around it, what it can do, what it can't do. And in the end, artificial intelligence will do the analysis of what's happening. It can look for patterns and it can identify those patterns, but you still need someone like an accountant to look at that and say, okay, based upon the analysis, what do we do? What are the different courses of actions? What would make sense for this business based upon this business's strategy? And the other side of what we can do for that, for example, is also to look at was the data set that was used to generate this analysis, was that data set somehow biased in the way that it looked at things? So putting our basically our objectivity or independence hat on to say, does this make sense? Or, you know, even looking at professional skepticism, does this make sense? Because if we feed a biased data set into artificial intelligence, it's going to come out with a biased answer. And I use the example of if we were analyzing successful managers in a company that is predominantly, let's say, white, of course, this is tying into the whole diversity issue right now. Right. So if I'm if I'm feeding a bunch of data sets that says these successful managers are all older white males, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll use that. Then any other candidate that came in that was Asian or African American or any of the other ones, it's going to say no, that's not going to be a good candidate. The artificial intelligence will say that's not a good candidate because the data set that originally was used was already biased. And so those those are the type of things that the artificial intelligence can't recognize that. But as an accountant or an auditor, we would need to come in and say, hey, this is going to cause some problems. It's going to, there's a diversity issue here. There's probably a discrimination issue possibly there, right? And those are the types of things that we still need to do. So when you look at technology, look at what does technology do, and then you need to look, take a step back and say, what are the controls? What are the implications of what it's doing into the business itself? Yeah, it gets back to the basic premise that, yes, the calculations that we do may be you know, replaced by artificial intelligence, but at the end, there's always some analysis that, that only humans <laughs> will be able to perform. Yeah. It may be pretty advanced, but yes, good point, good point. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, on the yeah. flip side, for younger individuals, maybe, you know, maybe I'm a sophomore, junior, maybe even a senior in college that you're listening to this podcast and they're saying, wow, I, I want to do that. I, I realize times have changed a little bit, but what advice would you have for them to be better prepared to work in the field that you're living in these days? Well, I mentioned that accounting information systems course is, is actually the really good base. The other one from the IT side that I would encourage them to take is, is a database course. So whether it's from the computer science world or whether it's from the the MIS world, taking both of those courses, they approach the material a little differently, but the same base is the database. 
and operating behind every financial system. In fact, almost every system is some type of database. And so the difference between the IT side and what we do as accountants is IT will design the database, but we as accountants understand the data and the handling of transactional data within the databases. And that is the key to business reporting and understanding how do we actually get good data, which is also the foundation of the audit. It's when we're auditing, we're auditing to make sure that the data behind the financial statement is good quality data. And so really it's that combination of knowing internal controls, that's how we're going to ensure that we have good data and understanding the data itself. So accounting information systems course and then some type of database course. Okay. Yeah, I know you decided not to go the computer science route and the programming route, but you did have some programming education a little bit on the front end. Do you think that benefited you along the way? Do you think that would benefit someone now? I definitely think some type of basic programming course is going to be completely helpful. What that does is it gives you the feel for logical thinking and systems thinking. And you also need to have the, the concept of looping, of looping through, for example, looping through a data set and how, what you can do when you loop through a data set and different data structures. And yeah, you're right. A lot of that comes from the programming. So let's add that in there. So accounting information systems database, and one basic programming course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just curious. It occurred to me that although you didn't choose to go that route, you went a few steps down the path, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I actually have done a lot of coding, and still to today, I kind of pride myself on the fact that when I work with programmers, that I'm actually normally able to tell them how to approach the code. I just don't have to do it myself. And so part of that decision to not go that, down that programming path was, I know the computer science people hate it when I say this, but the one of the other reasons to go down the MIS route rather than the computer science route is that computer science people will always end up working for MIS people because MIS, we're doing the requirements, we're doing the design, and we're doing a lot of the upfront work to gather the requirements from the end users. And we feed those over to the computer science who then does the programming. <laughs> so I would say, why MIS? MIS because you will always have the computer science that are working for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for being that open. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> well, we better get down to the, the final questions here. I, I end every podcast with the same three questions. I, I think it gives us some good consistency, and, and frankly, the answers are just very interesting. The first one's usually the easiest for people. What has been your proudest moment? Gosh, actually, that's a tough one. Hmm. Um, career-wise. Career-wise, you know, honestly, I want to say that it was when I had a client that I was working with that came back to me as the CEO of a company and she came back to me one day and she said, she said, thank you so much for all that you're doing. A family owned company. She said, you know, she, so she was the, she's the daughter of the founder. And she says, I, I don't know how I would approach this if I didn't have you here helping me to understand what's happening, create our strategy and uh, really, you know, help us, help us move forward. And with that particular CEO, you know, there were numerous times where I'd be in her office and she'd be there. She'd actually be crying, 
telling me what's going on because she was so frustrated and she didn't know how to approach it and being able to be there as her advisor and say, okay, wait, let's deconstruct this. Let's figure out what's happening and, you know, let's get a path to get, to get out of this. And that interaction with the clients, um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had clients cry on me and it's one of those things where you're just never ready for it. And the first time it actually happened, it was, actually another it was a it was an older gentleman i say older i was an auditor at the time i was like probably 22 or 23 this guy was probably in his 40s or 50s maybe so not really not that old now that i'm in my 40s (laughs) but and he cried and i'm thinking here i am this 20 something year old and he's crying because he's so frustrated with what's happening uh, in his IT department, and he saw me as this task because I told him, oh, my gosh, I totally, that's totally bad. Let me write that up as part of my audit report. And he was, you do not know how long I've been trying to get change in here. And you're, because our audit report, I was writing it up as a finding. He said, I know your report's going to help me get some traction. And he broke down. And I was just like, wow. And um, that's happened more than once in my career. And that feeling that you're really helping somebody, that is always my proudest moment. Yes, you're making a difference. That that is nice. Wow. Well, second, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. But but frankly, the bigger the better. <laughs> <laughs> we like the big mistakes. <laughs> so from a big mistake, I can think of several times where the big mistake is probably speaking or being more blunt than I probably should be for, for my position. And again, I'm, I think relative to where I am, I've, or relative to where I've always been, I've always been fairly young. And so I know, like, for example, one of the, one of the early ones was where when I was moving from the audit side to the consulting side at PwC, I, I made this statement because the local office had kind of complained to me and they said, you know, these consulting guys, we, because they had been on the same project. And these consulting guys, they came in and they swooped it up and took it over. And they've done that more than once. And so when I transferred, I went to them and I was like, you know, you guys can't keep doing this. And I'm only going to transfer into your department if you promise you're not going to do this. <laughs> and I know they're thinking, who's this little senior coming to this office? <laughs> Again, like 20, probably 24-year-old 20, uh, telling us this thing. And there's more than a few times that I probably have spoken out like that. I, that's probably not the biggest mistake, but it's always along that theme of like I'm saying something that I should, really shouldn't be saying in my position. <laughs> well, you know, people don't want to hire yes people, so that just that means sometimes you hear things you don't want to hear. <laughs> that, you know, that's really true, and I I think that's the thing when in the consulting world that you know it's the harsh truth, and I know in the personal world we often. We will laugh because we'll say, well, I love you, so I'm telling you this. And you unfortunately can't use that line when you're in the consulting world, but it's like, you really need to hear this. And I'm just, I'm not going to make it pretty, and I'm going to tell you like it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I care too much about the situation not to tell you. That's, yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, last question. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And then we'll go ahead and close it down. That's an easy one. So I mentioned that I did this really short stint at the IT consulting company. And the CEO of that company, when I was getting ready to leave, he said, I'm going to give you this one piece of advice. And he said, 
as you go out and you do consulting, remember that you can give the best advice in the world, but if you can't make it happen, if it can't be implemented, then that advice is worth nothing. And that, I think, is the biggest differentiator I've always used with my firm because there's a lot of management consultants out there that will do strategy with you that will help say, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I know that our differentiator is the fact that once we tell you, okay, this is what we think you need to do, that we then go through and say, and here's the plan for how you're going to do it. You can either hire us to do it, you can hire somebody else to do it, but we we will tell and show, show you how. And so that technology, that technical and know-how is really the difference that we bring in. And it all comes back to that piece of advice I got when I was getting ready to go on my own. And that's still the best piece of advice I've had till today. That is good advice. It keeps you customer focused. It keeps your results focused, which I think is even more important. Because it's yeah. not just the customer, but it's having that result and that impact on that customer. And that That's the key. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for sharing this with us. There were a lot of parts I had no idea we were going to get into and you've had a a tremendous career and and continue to you have a wonderful story you are a rock star Donnie you really are (laughs) (laughs) thank you seriously I appreciate your appreciate your time thank you this has been wonderful I love sharing it with especially with students because they they need to know accounting is really it's such a path I can take you all kind of places it really can well, for our audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you haven't yet visited the website, we're located at whereaccountantsgo.com. We have the notes for this episode and, of course, every other episode that we've done over the last year and a half. Once again, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Donnie, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? Really, it's just the career in accounting has been so wonderful for me and it opens so many doors. And even if it's not in the IT space, you know, whether it's any of the others, and I know, Mark, you've got a ton of other people out there with different different areas. Accounting really is just a base of a career and you can, it, you can take it wherever you want to go. So I encourage everyone, check it out. It might not be as exciting in the beginning, but you can hear as my career has evolved, it's going to take you places. That's a good way to summarize all this. Thank you very much. Very well said. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.